वेलकम टू वट द इफ न्यूज ऑल द न्यूज लेट्स विथ द इफ विथ एस एज ऑलवेज आर स्पेक्टेक्युलर virologist from Rockefeller University Gabby Panicia how are you Gabby I am doing good currently And covid free covid free <laughs> is very good I hate to spend money on covid I you know, I only get it when it's free <laughs> Matt how are you Matthew Stanley of New York University Well I am currently paying high prices for covid and apparently I should not <laughs> That's true actually by the way the tests covid tests are supposed to be free um and uh hopefully they are yes well my it's interesting actually my insurance i i got my test on the very first day it was available which is quite a while ago now and uh, my insurance company um actually decided that it was um elective something <laughs> like it wasn't i guess it wasn't in their system yet or something like that and i was like here's the deal There's uh, a pandemic. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> You've noticed this. <laughs> I've noticed. I'm doing this on behalf of the mayor. Um, glad to hear you are uh, COVID-free. You say that, uh, Gabby, because you had a a test as well. Yep, I did. My my university is offering them for like you know people that are coming back and working on campus. Uh, yeah. So I I took advantage of that just to figure out if uh, hey am I going to spread something unknowingly to all of my lab mates? And it turns out no. Thank God. Yay! That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, and not only that, not only will you not be spreading anything bad, but with us, you will be spreading good information and good science. Um, today, we're going to jump right in our news story. Uh, what we do here is uh, we, we um, on Fridays, uh, we have a science show. Usually on Fridays, I try to keep up. Uh, we post a uh, feature presentation of the week called What the If, uh, where Matt and I, um, and often a guest, uh take a crazy thought experiment in our hands and throw it in the air and try to extrapolate all kinds of fun imagination and also lots of science there so if you haven't listened to that check it out if you do listen to that and you're hearing this for the first time and you're wondering what's this well we also do this we started uh, when the pandemic began um the uh, magnificent and uh, wise uh, virologist Gabby Panicia here from <laughs> Rockefeller University joins us and uh we have decided just she, she's helping us keep up once a week so on mondays we do uh check in with the virus and we check yeah, into a new sort of our low dose exposure to the virus that's right <laughs> magnificent that's right. wise though y'all are making me sound like gandalf which i'm just going to say i'm pretty okay with that <laughs> <laughs> now wise would be sam is that right that's... i hate oh, to go that route because like i am by no means a lord of the rings uh expert but sam wise i believe is his name Uh, Sam Wise is, is indeed his name. Yes. So He, that's I don't know if he's particularly a wise character. But You're right. His name. Oh, it was ironic. Oh, <laughs> Tolkien, you cracked me up. Okay, here's the news story of the week. Um, this week we're featuring, uh, and what we do is we, we use these news stories to sort of uh, uh, kind of as a launching point just to get into the science um, behind the virus and help us all understand things um, beyond the level of, say, CNN. Uh, not that that isn't useful, but we go, to, we go just a little bit deeper because you listeners are smart. Here we go. Um, CNN reports uh, Dr. Fauci, who uh, here in the United States is our, our leading expert, uh, genuinely wise, uh, Dr. Fauci. And he says, uh, Dr. Fauci says COVID-19 vaccine 
may not get the U.S. to herd immunity. That's H-E-R-D. Dr. Fauci says COVID-19 vaccine may not get the U.S. to herd immunity if too many people refuse to get it. And here's just a little bit of the text uh, from the CNN website. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci says he would settle, quote, settle, unquote, for a COVID-19 vaccine that's 70% to 75% effective, but that this incomplete protection, coupled with the fact that many Americans say they won't get a, cor- a coronavirus vaccine, makes it, quote, unlikely, unquote, that the U.S. will achieve sufficient levels of immunity to quell the outbreak. With government support, three coronavirus vaccines are expected to be studied in large-scale clinical, clinical trials in the next three months. Quote, the best we've ever done is measles, which is 97 to 98% effective, says Dr. Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Quote, that would be wonderful if we get there. I don't think we will. I would settle for a 70, 75% effective vaccine. A CNN poll last month found, I'm sorry, uh, we, um, uh, to the rest of the world, um, and apologies to us Americans, prepare, we are now blushing uh, with embarrassment or whatever color we're supposed to turn. A CNN poll last month found one, th- that's me interjecting, that's not CNN, that's me interjecting my own editorial, <laughs> let me clarify that. Um, back to the story. A CNN poll last month found one third of Americans said they would not try to get a vaccine against COVID, even if the vaccine is widely available. And low cost. Now, when Americans are turning down low cost, you have this is the country, <laughs> the country that invented Walmart. Uh, back to the story. In an interview Friday, CNN asked Fauci whether the vaccine with 70% to 75% efficacy, taken if it was only taken by two thirds of the population, would that provide herd immunity to the coronavirus? Quote, no, hyphen, hyphen, unlikely. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, Herd immunity, and Gabby's going to help us understand a little bit more about this. Herd immunity is when a sufficient proportion of a population is immune to an infectious disease, either through prior illness or vaccination, so that spread from person to person is unlikely. I'm just going to one little one, just a little bit more here from the story, and then Gabby's going to help us out. Coronavirus, the headline: Coronavirus vaccine education effort is not going to be easy. Dr. Fauci noted, "Quote: Oh, this is disappointing." There is a general anti-science, anti-authority, anti-vaccine feeling among some people in this country, an alarmingly large percentage of people, relatively speaking. He said, given the power of the anti-vaccine movement, quote, we have a lot of work to do to educate people on the truth about the vaccine. So we have a lot of work to do. Now, putting, putting politics aside, um, I would, you, you, you guys will maybe put it as, I don't, I don't know. We can't put it aside. Putting <laughs> politics right smack on the table where it stinks <laughs> to high heaven. Um, nonetheless, herd immunity, what's that, Gabby? So herd immunity is essentially, like they said, when a, enough of a population of people is protected from it so that the virus can't get through to someone who's not protected. So you can conceptualize it kind of like you've ever been to a fair and there are those boards with a bunch of pegs stuck in. You have to try to drop a marble down and get it to a one specific cup at the bottom. It's kind of like that, where if you can imagine people who are protected are the pegs. The more pegs standing in the way, the less likely that you're going to get it into the one tiny cup that it's supposed to go into for you to win a stuffed monkey or whatever. Mm. Um, and so essentially that 
right now, really no, practically speaking, no one's really immune. So you're just dropping a marble right down directly into a cup and that's an infection. The virus is fine. Um, that is called pachinko, by yes. the way. I knew it started with a P and I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I know it best, not actually from fairs here, although I have seen them here, but I know it from Wong Kar Wai movies. Seems to be very <laughs> oh, big in, uh, okay. I guess, big in China. Or something. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So herd immunity. Right. Exactly. So um, one person has it. And they walk into a party. For instance, what happens right right now? There's no herd immunity. Let's say there's no immunity at all. Obviously, for the most part. So um, one person who's sick walks into a crowded ballroom or <laughs> a crowded bar on the corner of my street last night. Just to pick a um, hypothetical example. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, what happens there? Well, chances are a lot of people are going to get infected, especially. The longer that person stays there, the longer everyone's staying around together, the greater the likelihood that basically everyone's going to walk away sick. Right, right. In fact, that's a good point. It's it, it, time being a factor as well, as, uh, as well as proximity and airflow and all that. So um, even as you got very close to herd immunity, so this is where Dr. Fauci was saying 70, 75% um, would be good. Um, he, he says that's okay. It's not great, but he would settle for that. And that means that 75% of the people in the bar are immune. That means that the people who are susceptible, theoretically, are kind of far apart. Yeah, but it still might be easy for, like, so if you have seven people in the room that are immune to it, it's not that hard to accidentally sneeze on one of the three people who aren't immune to it. So that's what he means by it's that might be less effective and it's unsure whether or not that would provide herd immunity, that right. there would might still be enough people who aren't. Uh, I do, I, I'm going to ask about Matt. Have people sneezed on you before? I don't know. I, well, I am a parent, so I have oh. had all kinds <laughs> of bodily emissions. OK. Um, all right. This and is I do whatever, be- whatever bar you're going to is very. <laughs> <laughs> they're not carding people. And admittedly, I do use sneezed on as sort of a euphemism for like being an infected person around someone else coughing, uh, I don't know, touching your eyes and or nose or mouth or whatever, rubbing it on the back of a sleeve. Um, Sneezing on is just a little bit nicer than qualifying all of that. Um, But that is more what I mean when I just joke around and say, get sneezed on. Now, why do we need to think about herd immunity if we can have a vaccine? That is, if we just vaccinate everybody, then why do we need to think about herd immunity? So a vaccine is essentially giving everyone immunity, but there's not, if you could vaccinate everyone, that would be an ideal world. But the fact remains that for some reason, some people can't actually get a vaccine. And, and there are a number of reasons for this. For example, if you are immunocompromised, it, your body just might overreact or not react at all, meaning it wouldn't really be effective. There are some people born entirely without immune systems. So giving someone a shot to make their immune system generate all of these Nice antibodies would literally do nothing. Um, there are some people who are allergic sometimes to components in the vaccine. So, for example, I think it's people with an egg allergy sometimes get, can't get certain live vaccines because they're grown in eggs. Uh, so there, there are a bunch of different reasons why someone might not be able to get a vaccine. So for the people who can and who are healthy, you want to get vaccinated so it protects those few who might not be able to. Right. And vaccine, it's just real simple explanation of what just a vaccine, a vaccine basically uh, kickstarts your own immune system and gives you 
your immune system is now able to prevent you from getting the virus. Well, it it's can fight against it specifically yeah. trains it to recognize something that it should see when it sees the virus. So it's not necessarily uh-huh. that it like super juices it up and gets uh-huh. it ready to fight. It right. actually just sort of gives it a wanted poster and says, hey, look out for this. And then if you do get COVID, you can look at that wanted poster <laughs> and be like, I know this dude and just sort of kick him out of the bar. Uh, oh, you know, it's interesting. It actually, um, it's kind of like, uh, it's like CIA intelligence or it's like, it's like, er, like uh, you know, basically you get the plans to the enemy's secret, you know, the enemy's yeah. weapon or whatever. And your body, because you're just given a tiny, tiny bit of it or even a dis- you know, disarmed mm-hmm. part of it, your body has time to build a defense geared exclusively towards preventing any damage from that. 100%. Uh, that weapon. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so uh, can you express, I feel like this may be a way to help people, um, to get people more motivated um, to, I feel like part of the problem here is a, a, a kind of lack of understanding and a motivation to do, to, you know, to join it. I'm, Say what you want about Americans. They are just humans. And we do like when I think when when there's a clear enough objective, people really do like to get together and, and work. And, you know, whenever there's a disaster in any town, all the Republicans and the Democrats and everything in between and beyond they all come together to help. So there's been a problem doing that. Um, herd immunity. Is there some way you it can be phrased? I mean, is this something I feel like this is not something that's being talked about. Herd immunity, uh, honestly, herd immunity to the American, in the American culture, actually sounds like a bad thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, right. well, just mob, it sounds like mob mentality, which we, we denigrate. Um, but in this case, it's like, actually, we need to, I guess, Gabby, can you just, what's the way to just to rephrase it? Uh, we need to do this. We need to all be protected we are all maybe it's almost like we're all joining hands as a wall against the virus i mean yeah although i do want to point out something that's so i hear two facets of an argument about herd immunity one is that you should go about it through vaccination which is smart way to do it and the other one is that well we should let everyone get it because then everyone will be immune Uh, which uh is not the way that this is going to work unfortunately um (laughs) and so that one is is something where like it's this interplay between science and public health um that I think kind of gets ignored sometimes. So herd immunity by a vaccine doesn't require you to get sick. You can immunize mass amounts of people within the space of like a couple of months. But if you're getting people sick, each person takes about two weeks to recover, not including hospitalization time. And while people are like, oh, well, there's maybe like I think recent estimates put it around like 26% of people who get infected who never show symptoms. That's still 75% of people or 74 that do show symptoms. And then additionally, the people who do get extremely sick. And so essentially the, con- the consequence of trying to get herd immunity by getting everyone sick would overwhelm our hospitals and you would see a dramatic spike in deaths disproportionate to actually like the amount of people who would have died with proper medical care. So, yeah, that's not really the way we should go about it. Also, there's some confounding stuff with we're not really sure how long antibodies are protective. So if you can vaccinate massive amounts of people in a short amount of time, that's going to be more effective than the staggered infection recovery continuum that we have going on right now. Also, actually infecting people with it 
gives the virus way more of a chance to change and adapt and potentially become a lot more infectious. So we don't really want that either. Right, right. Hmm. People aren't taking into account the damage. I mean, even if they should be taking into account the damage that's done to the individual people who get sick under this plan of get everybody sick. But it, it really is tremendous damage to our own, just our entire society, let alone now you can't, you know, as we saw in New York, unfortunately, if the hospital's overwhelmed with people with just one disease, people who have heart attack don't go to the hospital. People have, you know, break your leg, you can't go to the hospital or it's difficult. Um, Matt, have you encountered anyone uh, who, who, how could you explain? This is something with science communication we deal with a lot, right? How do we, mm -hmm. if, with global warming, we've talked about it a lot in the past. It's a matter of, like, if you could explain it properly, maybe people could get motivated. Well, this is one of these things that I think that um, uh, words and numbers aren't very effective unless people are used to thinking in those terms. Um, but I've seen some excellent visual representations of how herd immunity works. So maybe we can put some links to, to those mm -hmm. um, yeah. along with the episode. Uh, because visually, it makes a lot of sense intuitively. Um, or if you're a pachinko expert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe that's why in Asia they've been better able to... <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Japan's decades of experience with pachinko has finally prepared that's right. them for this. Thing. No COVID. Um, very good, very good. So uh, lastly, here's the last big question. Um, I, was, uh, I was mentioning before the show, I uh, have a friend who's very, very intelligent. Um, uh, technology journalist and uh, not at all anti-vaxxer or anything like that, completely scientifically minded person. And he was mentioning that when there's a new uh, computer comes out, for instance, Apple has uh, announced they're changing the, the chips in their computers. And uh, somebody was asking, well, should they buy that new one? And he was recommending, he said, look, um, and he was talking to someone who uses this for their entire business, right? So their entire livelihood, their entire life in, in some ways depends on this. He said, you know, you might not want to do that. I would wait because it's the first version out, the, out of the factory. And no matter how hard they try to um, make it work perfectly, it doesn't. And so your business could suddenly be completely shut down. And then he, he made an aside to uh, say, you know, that's how he feels about the virus or is a concern he has. I'm sorry about the vaccine that may come. He's like, so when this vaccine comes down the pike, it is going to be the most rushed vaccine in human history. Um, he's like, maybe I should wait a certain amount of time and let other people try it. He's like, I don't know. Should I wait one year? Should I wait two years? He's like, I'm not recommending you do this, but these are the thoughts that go into his head. So what do you think, Gabby? Should we, uh, should we all just jump in? I mean, and well, Matt, just from history, I'm curious, mm -hmm. has it been... I don't know much uh, about this at all, the history of vaccines, um, have vaccines. Actually, sorry, before we do it, so Matt, I'll go to Matt first. Uh, do, ga do Gabby's. <laughs> <laughs> Can Gabby harm you? Um, have vaccines caused problems in the past? Uh, not on a large scale, no. Actually, they're, they've been fantastically safe um, oh. uh, medical treatments. Yeah. Right. The thalidomide babies is something people point to. I don't know what is... Uh, not a vaccine. Not a vaccine. Exactly. Um, so, Gabby, you recommend it's okay. We're just going to jump right in. Yeah. So there's sort of a misconception about the way that this is going to work, that 
we're just going to roll a vaccine out. We've tested it on a couple of monkeys, so it should be good for us. But in reality, these vaccines are tested on large groups of people before they're released to the public. So we do still monitor for long-term reactions maybe down the line. And to be perfectly honest, humans are weird. Sometimes there are random things that we can't predict that do affect how people react to a vaccine. So for example, one in about a quarter of a million people react extremely negatively to the attenuated yellow fever vaccine. It's essentially uh, a very, very weak strain of yellow fever. And, you know, 249,000 people could get it. And then that one other person that does it actually gets a worse strain of yellow fever. And it's funny, there are scientists here who are studying it. It turns out most of those people have some weird innate immunity defect, that it's just something really funky. And so you can't predict that when you make a vaccine, sure. But if one out of a quarter of a million people get sick with something compared to basically like, what is it, like 15% of those people dying of coronavirus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really kind of a false equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. You know, it's interesting. It, it, what it comes down to is to, to keep it in the computer terms, it's basically the beta testing program. Um, and what we're saying is that the beta testing program is... In, in when it comes to vaccines, this is part of the reason it takes as long as it does, whatever that is. Um, do we know if number-wise, the number of people who are going to be tested before it gets approved is basically the same? It's just that we're able to do it faster? Um, like relative to other vaccines? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure because part yeah. of it, they, they have some minimum people, like percentage of people that they have to recruit, but it does depend partially on on recruitment. So for example, if say the world successfully manages to tamp this down within the next six months and there's not really that many people being infected with coronavirus, your pool of people who are coming in contact with it that you can vaccinate and then test with is going to be smaller. So that's why probably a couple of months ago, you saw a lot of tests in China for, I think, like remdesivir and other drugs being canceled, not because there wasn't evidence that it might work, but because they literally couldn't recruit enough infected people or infected in the right stage to go through with the test. So getting actually like accurate measures on how this will work and recruiting the right people, not just any dude off the street or worse, people who are never going outside so they would never have contact with it, you know, stuff like that. Like scientists really take into account. So sure, it's moving at a lightning fast progress relative to, I think, anything we've done previously. Maybe next to uh, developing uh, antiretrovirals. Uh, for HIV. That's the closest thing I can think mm, of that we've mm-hmm. no, really, really yeah. powered forward on. Yeah. But at the same time, scientists are pretty worried about like our things going wrong. We're pretty anal about that. So we don't want to release, you know, it's it's not necessarily like a computer where, okay, you might need to debug this more later. We're a little bit concerned about accidentally making something that's really not good for you. So if it was really, really not good for people, we would see that in the sort of beta uh, clinical tests before we gave it to people, which if we saw bad stuff, it would stop the test. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I think it's, it's definitely an understandable sentiment because you kind of get worried about it. But I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of this minutia that's come up about vaccines that really is unfounded. That, mm. you know, we want vaccines, but we want them to be safe, which is sort of generally just become a code word for people who just don't want to actually believe that they work. And right. And they want home remedies that, you know, they go, oh, no, you should drink some lemon juice. Or, yeah. 
and it's, it sounds very reasonable. Oh, yeah, you want your vaccines to be safe, which totally yeah. makes yeah. sense. And it's yeah. something that scientists also think about. We also want our vaccines to be safe. But yeah. we handle that. And so the, the concern that, you know, maybe I should wait a year or two is, is really not necessarily helpful in this case. Also, the more people that get it, the more we're going to figure out, like, I mean, get the, the vaccine, not the virus. Uh, yeah. The more we are going to figure out potentially like, hey, is there any issue with this? Is it more or less effective than we predicted? And I, I think net the, the long-term complications that might happen to people because of coronavirus damaging their lungs and kidneys and immune systems is a lot more impactful than any potential slim risk of damage you might get from a vaccine that is perceived as air quotes rushed because I don't view it as rushed. Yeah. So Matt, in your, in your, you're going to have class in the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, some, if some of your students expressed, let's say, let's say we're lucky enough and the vaccine comes out. Whenever the vaccine comes out and you have a class, I suppose you have some students that are concerned about taking it and they ask you, Professor Stanley, is, what do you think? Is this safe? What would you say? Um, I would, since I'm a historian, I would have them read some primary sources um, from before and after the smallpox vaccine spread. I thought you were going to say, well, since I'm a historian, I would say, come back to me in 100 years <laughs> and I'll tell you how it went. I, I have actually found that not to be the most successful no. um, persuasion strategy. I completely stepped on your serious moment. You know, Billy Joel has a wonderful song called Leave a Tender Moment Alone. And I'm going to do that. Word for that. Yeah. So you have a student, you have students that say, Professor Stanley, we're concerned. What, what uh, I'll say, well, vaccines are, um, it, it's a, a funny thing that happens sometimes is when a uh, medical or technological innovation becomes so widespread that we forget what it was like to not have it. So I would want them to have a sense of uh, the, the difference a vaccine makes in terms of life. Um, so I would have them do some reading about what it was like uh, before a vaccine, say smallpox, uh, and after. And you know, that's a great idea. That allows me to plug documentaries. I think documentaries mm-hmm. are yeah, particularly, yeah. should not be your only source by any means. Um, documentaries are not scholarly papers or anything, but, uh, but they can be very well made, obviously. Yeah. And uh, but a good thing a documentary can do is give you a feeling. I'm sure they're great. Doc- I'll look up maybe for next time. I recommend some like a documentary about uh, the polio vaccine or other things that mm-hmm. came around. Yeah, that's a great idea. How they changed the world and what it meant to the people. You probably they include interviews with people whose lives uh, were saved um, by that. So yeah, educate. You know, and and, and uh, a response to my tech journalist friend actually would 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 be um, it's a great opportunity to educate yourself on. It. Um, Get, people should be engaged. In fact, people should be engaged and saying, asking their government to make things safe. That's important. And in mm-hmm. fact, everybody will feel better if everybody's engaged. Maybe part of the problem is when people are disengaged, then the worry warts get the microphone and you know, no one else is able to, to accurately respond. There's very few people just be able to stand up and respond. Whereas if the entire community could get at the diner, you know, could all say, no, 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 it's okay. Look. Um, Gabby, thank you. You are one of those sources of trusted information. And we thank you, as are all the people there at uh, Rockefeller working away on the case and their colleagues at other institutions around the world. Um, Matt, do you have anything to plug? Definitely not. No. Gabby, would you have anything to plug? Not particularly. Always just Rocky DU. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, go to Rocky DU and get more information um, about all this kind of stuff. 
Um, that and that was your mom moment of humility, everyone. So satisfy yourselves with that. <laughs> uh, we are humbled by the virus and lack of knowledge uh, among our populace. So get some, be part of the cure, uh, not the problem. Thank you for listening. Just by listening shows you are a fantastic person. Write us in, write in, tell us what you think. If you have questions, uh, let us know. Gabby can answer them. Um, feedback at whatthef.com. Our website is right there, whattheif.com. On Twitter, we are at whattheifshow. Um, by the way, on the website, our fabulous staff, Howard Jung and uh, Ilya Jung, um, both on Twitter and on our website, are um, cranking out all kinds of additional information and uh, fun stories um, sort of brought to mind by the stories we do here. So uh, keep in touch with all of those things and subscribe on your podcast player. And if you can leave us a review, you help spread the word about science communication. And we think that's great. Um, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you on Friday for our feature presentation of What the If. Until then, thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Matt. And we say, what? What? Do, what? what the, <laughs> we don't have an ending. It. Yeah. It's total failure. <laughs> so I'm just, then I'm going to play this music. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>